But we are back. Welcome to Fallout Podcast, episode 65, a.k.a. The only reason you know this is that it was well documented. It is a futile false showdown, all 525, approximately, approximately 525 songs, going to head-to-head in an ultimate, never to be repeated again until the next time showdown. Split into four eras. 77 to 85, 86 to 93, 94 to 01, and 2002 to 2017, joined by Michelle Chippington Beard. If he ever ends up like Ian McShane, etc., etc. How you doing, Pip? Well, I'm, I'm happy in my fulfilment. Very good. Uh, Lord Sage Temple, red, red lips on a cappuccino dress, feasting on a dead duck. How are you? Ducked up. Or just ducked. Exactly. And T. Pemberton Walker, our man, woman, admit you've Teletubbied again. Yeah, well, you know, you can't help going a bit tinky-winky occasionally. Aye. And uh, what about Tiny Tim Twa, the grumpiest little fall fan from the other side? Is he with us? Indeed, the crystal is in the right place. It's coming through loud and clear. Beautiful. And I'm the host, Tree Three Beards, and I come for your goods. Tonight, we have totally wired up against your heart out. A pass gone mad passable against guide me soft, bound against serum and breaking the rules versus Alton Towers. Ooh la la. But first, if you'll indulge me for a little while, I'm going to talk about that most um, third or fourth favourite of garage rock bands, The Seeds. Now, they weren't as raw or as novelty as the Monks or the Sonics, but they had their moments. Psychedelic rock band, Los Angeles, 1965. Uh, lead singer Sky Saxon did a passable Mick Jagger impression at times. Um, and one of the first bands to, to play a keyboard bass, predating Manzarek and The Doors by a few weeks at least. Um, going to start off by playing you... Um, a couple of their biggies, Can't Seem to Make You Mine, which were one of their first singles, and uh, No Escape. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> He 
recent to good garage rock. Pepe, the seeds got anything to say on these chaps? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I only came across them because of, well, probably a combination, actually. Probably a combination of fall references, Mackie Smith references to them, and uh, probably Alistair Aspinall, who's uh, not a million miles away on this uh, podcast, as a, as a recommend through the whole kind of nuggets kind of vibe. Um, they are amazing. I really, really like their stuff. I was just checking on my Spotify list out of the 17 songs that I've liked of the seeds and I always seem to in my head I always seem to think they only did a handful of albums but you go on to their actual discography they were popping stuff out for ages weren't they it was like another hard working band that kind of relied on the livestock and um, from a musical point of view very creative Sky is a, is a really really great frontman isn't he not only loads of energy and stuff yeah. but really quite creative with his vocal style and the band themselves not afraid of doing things a little bit differently. There's bits that remind me of the heavier end, like your MC5 kind of bits. But there's real full-on psychedelia going on all over the place and, and in a very creative way, not just aping the Beatles like a lot of other bands at the time, but really exploring stuff themselves, different instrumentations and, uh, you know, lots of different arrangement ideas in the studio. So, yeah, I really, really recommend the dive into the seeds that brilliant yeah so there's this first two records the seeds in the web of sound which has them all in the spider's web which has been said that dragnet is a reference i don't think it is because there's a there's a horror movie i think it's a common movie which has like the titles that are much similar to dragnet but but sure i mean that people stuck in the web is is a fairly common kind of a 60s and 70s trope anyway but uh, they were pretty straight ahead garagey kind of rock stuff and then the third album got a bit more psychedelic but is interesting it actually has most of my favorite stuff on it and then revelation this week i never heard that roar and alive the season concert because i always thought it was just a, a, a live album but it, it was live in the studio with fake overdubs and the versions on that of the songs that version no escape is the one from uh, that roar and alive that's a really good record i'll play a few more then i'll see what these other chaps have to say i'm going to play you um the the kind of wackier more creative side the stuff that i that, that kind of really stuck with me when i used to have that seeds compilation these are the ones that, that uh, stuck out i'm going to play the flower lady and her assistant and 900 pe million people daily all making love and uh i'm going to play a little bit of the song where is play it the all I play where is the entrance as well because I think it's got I think the format ripped it off but I'm not sure have a listen and see what you think so Oh 
So I played you the, the flower lady and her assistant, uh, 900 people, million people daily, all making love. And um, where is the entrance? So the flower lady, I love it. Doesn't it, it's got that insistent base, but it doesn't go into. It's clearly got some modal stuff going on, but it doesn't go into that Middle Eastern kind of like faux Inagada de Vida stuff. They steer clear in it, and it's good. And then. 900 million people daily, like the way he says, my love, it's that, that <laughs> stuck with me for the last 20 years. <laughs> it's like the, it comes back to me at like at random points. And then we're in the entrance. Um, I reckon it's very similar to I'm there in, but that, but I'm there in by the fall has that hey, nonny, nonny vibe the same as that. So I'm not sure. Ezra, what, what you got anything to say about the seeds? Yeah, the seeds reputation, it kind of preceded itself, preceded them. And so I was always excited and interested to hear this like seminal berserk garage band, the seeds that so many other people loved. And then when I did get around to listening to them for the first time, probably that Spiderweb album, I was just like, man, the guitars are too quiet. <laughs> Can't can't deal with this, which is which is terribly shallow. But I'm a pretty shallow guy, so I mean, I have to say, I'm un, I'm not surprised at all that the sound of 900 million people daily making love is fucking great, and I really like it. I'm definitely gonna check that um, album out. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I I don't know if it if it's me, and I don't know how original a vocalist Sky Saxon is, because I I don't know was he copying Mick Jagger or wasn't he? I don't listen to enough R Rolling Stones to care. I like his vocals very much myself. Um, but yeah, you know, listening to this from like the perspective of the fall, I was kind of like. Yeah, because, you know, like, Marky e. Smith always really seems to have loved the seeds. I wonder if he was a teenager kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. singing along to Sky Saxon and just kind of thinking, yeah, you know, all you need is a kind of ridiculously unique, <laughs> uncopyable vocal technique like Sky Saxon. That's kind of what I thought. But yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and I, I think, although there wasn't necessarily a direct influence uh, from from the seeds, like I imagine he had the nuggets and pebbles stuff, and that's where we've heard pushing too hard and things like that. And he mentions indirectly in Weather Report too, where it, where he, he talks about that sky's gone and you don't deserve rock and roll because um, and he mentions Jackson because they both died on the same day. Michael Jackson and Sky Saxon died on the same day, and so, so the tiny amount of press that Sky Saxon would have got <laughs> disappeared, and he went off into the uh, unknown. Um, how what's uh, your name's come up in this already as a seeds fan tell me more yeah if i do whatever century probably bought it in the mid 90s or something like that so i'm very familiar with that but um they, they were really quite interesting for the, the like the blending sort of like the garage punk thing with the psych uh and i think it, it went on to sort of like influence like more punky kind of bands uh i mean played no escape and cabaret volunteer did a version of that about 1978 so it's like you know they're kind of uh industrial early electronic music and uh, like completely transposed it into something that sounded pretty bleak but it's a fairly bleak song and uh, again no escape um headcoats did a cracking version of that going back to you know, that's probably like early 90s um kind of thing 
Um, but yeah, uh, you, you can definitely. Uh, well, I've made reference to seeds in earlier podcasts, like uh, mainly with the, some of the early keyboards, where they fall like what we kind of like say that all the plinky plonky stuff. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of see some of that in it. I can, I can more early fall. I think was influenced by seeds and than, than later fall. Uh, but yeah, damn fine band, well worth checking out. Yeah, um, it was interesting. They can't seem to make you mind. The guitars were doing some weird kind of stuff. It was they were they were just out of tune bits all the way through and I, I imagine intentional because it's not on many of the songs well it's so like using, using the, the little recorders and stuff like that you know just yeah, yeah. Uh, that was like very kind of fall-esque because it's just that shambolic sounded um, that third album definitely sounds like psychedelic on a on a on a shoestring it's that they're well, not it does, but it's it's not as like baroque as like left bank or something like that no. is it or um i'm trying to think about other album that always gets mentioned is it the zombies album there's the yeah. zombies there's the odyssey and oracle but then there's all that yeah, kind of lsc as well which was the association and all that kind of stuff that baroque kind of um these were yeah much more in the garage more of an edge to it yeah, the, the flower mm. lady one really reminds me of like um like sonic youth era um dirty era it's it's great stuff i'm going to finish up with oh it's just an interesting fact about him so after he left off this case like he joined that yahawa um group i don't know if you heard about the father yod he was like this rolls royce driving kind of la kind of cult leader and they put out a bunch of albums, but I don't think Saxon was necessarily involved. And he stayed around on the scene in, in, in different guises. And they did a couple of comeback albums in the in the 2000s, which were, were actually decent. Um, I'm going to finish up with Nighttime Girl and Pushing Too Hard. Pushing Too Hard being their big kind of single. I'm going to play the versions off that raw uh, Merlin's Music Box album. Um, good stuff. that's the seeds there's the seeds for you um top notch garage rock band and uh get digging in if you, if you ain't already but shall we move on to the main event i would be starting with totally wired it's here that's the best song it's finally showed up we've we're done he called it he's called he's the called winner it. he's called it righty you're up pip Totally wired. I totally wired. 
where do you where do you start what do you say how do you listen with fresh ears philip rigby totally I've been wired that question. i've been pondering that question all week and you know what i kept thinking i can't wait to hear what ezra's got to say <laughs> let's see ezra you're up first what do you think about totally wired the best song the fall ever did according to debo all right well yeah, you know, I mean, I remember the first time I heard this, I, I picked up like a some kind of post-punk compilation, and it was it was a really fantastic one. And also on the album, there was uh, Heart of Darkness by Perubu. Mm. So it wasn't the first time I'd heard The Fall, but it was the first time I heard Perubu. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about it, and this track kind of reminds me of Perubu, their, like, kind of early stage where they released that fantastic fucking EP, I think it was, and, like, maybe the first album. And, yeah, you know, there's just the same kind of noise and Totally Wired somehow, like, just perfect fucking primeval avant-garage punk, I guess. And yeah, you know, and then I took some of these. It's a fantastic fucking luminescent song. And, you know, the lyrics are just taut and perfect. The only thing which, you know, um, is the, the 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 inclusion of the like, you know, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro, which is a wholesale lift from Hunter S. Thompson. And it's so on the nose. And, you know, it's weird. <laughs> And you don't have to be weird to be American. Or do you have to be American to be weird? Or do you not have to be American to be weird? I don't know. But those are the kinds of questions that this song throws up. And it's a, yeah, it's fabulous. Well, according to uh, to Sea Beefheart, can you see that there? You oh, yeah, there's that too, isn't there? You don't yeah, have yeah. to be weird to be weird. Um, but, yeah, well, are you able, Ezra, to listen to it with without... The fact that it is one of the the big fall songs that uh, Man in the Street might know and that you've heard a thousand times. Yeah, but you know, it, it's just fantastic. You can't okay. deny it. It's it's great. I won't. I won't deny Dance it. Dance to it and everything. Do you not yeah, think it's a bit like it's a bit like stuff off Slate, where it's I, I don't get sick of hearing it. I really I thought I would. I thought I would be annoyed having to listen to this loads of times this week, and I haven't at all. Every single time it's come on about the chill down my spine and thought this is what amazing this record and it's like it, what they do a really good job of is capturing that whole teeth gritted speed fueled kind of frenzy about the whole thing it's stripped down right to the bursting drums the guitar is for the first half of the record just playing what the bass is playing anyway um and then you it's quite subtle in the second half of the song where you start to hear this the, the two guitarists starting to lock in a little bit underneath what the, but the bass is still front and center of everything that's going on but the you get this nice chimey sort of guitar piece locking in underneath it um it just lifts in all the right places the, the bass is just phenomenal though the drops that come in the breaks the intensity the push all the way through the record it bounces all the way through. It doesn't lose any momentum at all. Um, Smith is completely on speed, fueled, magnificent form. The lyrics, and yeah, he does lift lyrics left, right, and centre. But they're all they're perfectly placed. Everything about the record is fabulous. And I, the only the only personal reference I'm going to make to this is that um, Neil Jarvis of Sprinters fame. I went to Paris with him in 20 years ago, something like that. And we spent the whole we spent a whole night running around the Paris metro, shouting "Totally Wired" in a French accent to people. 
of which there is some footage knocking around. But we ended up getting loads of other French lads shouting totally wired back at us as well. So it was uh, it was a good drunken evening, but it was full theme. You don't have to be French to be weird. <laughs> um, yeah, Smith said it should have been number one, but it wasn't. So what can you do? I'm not going to degrade myself and do smoother and smoother, totally wired, which is what people want and what they're doing. Um, it's a shame he didn't, though, to be honest. <laughs> it, well, he said it himself, though, didn't he? He, try, he tried to write Eurovision, which I guess he meant he tried to write a hit every, like, six months, but he just wasn't able to do it. I think he he could only do it when he wasn't looking directly at it. So it might have been a bit of face saving there. He probably did have a go at writing Totally Wired Part 2. Uh, in his, in, maybe not he would have done. There's something about that backing vocal though, which is intrinsic to this record, I think, because you you can hear it's Riley all the way through. It's Riley. It's a, it's Riley, and it's like I kind of like it, but I don't know how I feel about Riley. Riley's fall as much as I like <laughs> the chap. I don't know. Um, it works in this instance. Yeah. Um, Alistair, what about Totally Wired, 1980? Top 20 New Zealand single, the only top 20 single the fall ever had in the world. So, you know, clearly a very famous song um, for fall stuff, really. I mean, I, I hear it quite regularly on WFMU, on Waking Berg, so it's like it's part of their kind of playlist in a way. Um, so it's, you know, it's uh, stood the test of time in that respect, I suppose. Um, personally, I don't think it's one of the better songs at all by any standards. I think it's like overrated, really. You know, I think it's only probably because it was a single um, that it's, you know, got the profile that it has. Um, and the, another song, you know, released as a single could have done equally as well, if not better. I think the drums are a bit naff. Um, the sound of it is is crap. Um, the bass is a bit lame as well. Um, and the guitar is well too quiet. The vocals are ass. Does brilliant. The lyrics amazing. Um, the guitar is far too quiet. Uh, but the, there's a dead good riff at the end with the all that stuff's great. But um, yeah, I, ju- I just think it's. Didn't, a bit... didn't you just sing the the riff to uh, New Rose by the Damned? Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. Song. It is a great um, riff. He's just not Scanlans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a good song, but I think it's, you know, it's overrated. So it's never going to win. I always vote it off. Controversial opinion there, but I'm somewhere between a lot of you because I didn't get chills. They weren't multiplying, but I did try and listen with fresh ears and, and it is a great song. It, it, it's a pop hit. It's like in, in some universes, it went into the, the top 10 and and the bass, fantastic, amazing. And that drum beat, you know, second only to We Will Rock You. Um, Riley's influence, yeah, the chant, the kind of like, I think the next song actually has a better chant call and response thing than than this. But yeah, the call and response, great. It's a classic. What I actually like, which I never really no- noticed before, and I'll maybe you can help me on this, is that one of the drums, I think it's the bass drum, has this kind of boom, 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 like it sounds almost like an 808, like um, whether or not it's my mix that I'm listening to, but I'd never noticed that that drum before, and, and uh, I really like that. It's a good sample, actually. I've sampled it. Okay, nice. Yeah. Is, is it the bass drum, you reckon? Fuck knows. Might be the snare. On, on a, but, um... So uh, on the nose drug bore lyrics though, and no, you know, do we need Mark Smith singing about how how wired he is? 
<laughs> and I'm always worried. That's my favorite bit. I'm always worried. That's brilliant. So yeah, I'm torn, but it is a fantastic one. If someone said play me a fall song, you couldn't really go wrong with Totally Wired. If they didn't like that, they're not gonna they're not gonna get all gang. <laughs> um so, so the stuttering is something of the of the uh, our friends of the annotated fall. God bless them. Talk about the stuttering vocal. So- very tragic thing though that and you can take it you know like back to the who why don't you all fade away well he does they reference the who and and what adultery has said if you ever listen to that uh, 500 uh, history of rock and roll 500 songs talks about adultery talking about um how the stuttering wasn't making fun of people who stutter it was uh, the side effect of taking too much speed he was he was it was supposed to be a bit of a, a, a signal to the fans that he was one of them and he was kind of a, he'd, he'd been up on the uppers for a while and the stuttering was part of it. And so there's a theory that the stuttering on Totally Wired is a, is something to do with that, but it might just be a coincidence. And yeah, top 20 in New Zealand, because I think maybe that's when they did the tour, the, you know, the fall in a hole, was it around that era? Um, Pretty sure there were plenty of um, New Zealanders who liked a bit of the old speed. Oh, aye. That's all they, that's all they love over there, isn't it? Degenerates. Uh, yeah, that's it. nuns. Exactly. Um, oh, I follow from there. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, what does uh, t- Tiny Tim think about this? Tiny Tim Twar has recorded the following comment. It's totally wide, an amazing bass line and good vocal hook and some great lyrics. Otherwise, I like it a lot, but listening to it today... Seems a bit weedy. Seems to lack some of the best stuff of the era. Good single, though, and one I wouldn't be without. Fair enough. Well, it is up against Your Heart Out, which was it came a little bit earlier. It's off Dragnet, 1979. Just take for instance... Time of great depression Fade out of reason Bad times in season Don't shut your heart out Don't cry your eyes out Don't shut your heart out No, 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 heart out I would like to see what happens Just playing my favourite Doris song in an unrelated incident. Um, Ezra, what do you make of Heart Out? Well, it was it was interesting that you did have that unrelated incident because yeah, when when I was listening to it this week, I was like, they must have lifted this from somewhere. And then I went on to the uh, annotated fall as we all do, and th- unless I'm mistaken, uh, they didn't relate it relate it to any uh, song. But no, yeah, they didn't, know, I mean, which was weird because I I thought me and Phil have said this multiple times in the past, and I searched for it. And it seems like no one else thinks that, that this is a Doors <laughs> lift. But sorry. But yeah, you know, it, it's it's such a charming, beguiling little song, you know. Like, the, there's actually another song on tonight's playlist which kind of occupies the same kind of emotional zone for me. And it, it, it it's interesting because, you know, like uh, Phil has talked about, like, you know, the, uh, what is it, the Sentimental Mark playlist. And this is the kind of, like, maybe 
I don't know. I, yeah, what 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 word would you say? Is it joyous? Like, um, mm, I don't know. But yeah, you know, there's just something so lovely about the poppy, poppy, poppiness of it. And, you know, he starts off and he's like, fate out of reason. <laughs> Which sounds like, you know, time out of season or or something like that. But yeah, you can't quite grasp it. And then I love the part at the end where he's like, I don't sing, I just shout and all on one note. <laughs> you know, it, that was the that was the line that dragged me into this song when I got Dragnet and I was listening to it pretty much on repeat. And it was like, <laughs> you know, this great moment of like stark honesty. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it you know it it's it's a very very charming piece of music. That's that's what I'll say about it. It's delightful. It's cheeky and uh, it it's a, it stands out on Dragnet. <laughs> I'll give you that. It's it's not cut from the same cloth. Uh, Al, what do you make of it? I agree with everything else. We're saying uh, it's a, a lovely bit of whimsy, isn't it? Um, whimsy, great. It's got a, it's got a nice feel to it. I wasn't dead keen on the chorus, but um, but yeah, for you know, for a song that's uh, all about Christian Barnard and uh, making his uh, first heart transplants, it's not a bad one, is it? No, not at all. Um, it did remind me quite quite a bit of the. Do you remember? I can't remember the name of them right at the moment. Uh, the, the Scottish band, not the country teasers that uh, you Yummy did on the, Yeah, it reminded me a bit of them. Se- second verse, his vocals, um, when he starts doing that bit about the joke, because she uses the whole verse to, t- to tell the joke. Um, very yummy for ish. I, I thought the same thing. Um, yeah, I, that cheeky, you know, Love Street riff, and uh, it's filtered through like a lo fi, punky kind of style the melodic chant like i said i like that melodic chant better than the totally wired one um and yeah i like that cowbell there on the break you know i like that kind of breakdown and uh, a little bit of percussion another another song about how great speed is as well um i said it's it's a uh, nice and straight ahead it's not necessarily a standout but i'd I took it away on the B-side on a compilation. Um, I don't sing, I just shout. Maybe somebody had uh, hit a bit of a note there because he goes on quite a lot, a lot about that. Um, don't cry for me, Mexico. Don't cry for Mexico. Is pretty good. And um, he references Savage Pencil, who's the cartoonist who still does stuff in The Wire and um, who did the, he drew the cover of Casino Soul. He has that very distinct kind of grotesque shall i say um way um yeah, savage pencil. he's yeah. like i mean for me he's up there with kevin o'neill rest in peace kevin o'neill fantastically genius artist sorry Beautiful. i just had to put in with that no problem but i agree absolutely um seems like he didn't have enough words strangely on the second verse he seems like he was stretching it out and it was all a bit young ones this joke's pathetic you were saying in the last song about the Andres thompson line but on the nose this one as well that joke's pathetic it was all a bit it's all a bit ben elton <laughs> for me and um but i liked it it's a charming little number it's got its work cut out regardless what alistair said it's got its work cut out but what does what does tim and phil think well i'll tell you what tim 
Tim says first. He's put not a high point of the record, but a good pop number. I always find the totally unenthusiastic backing vocals funny. There's something sparkly about the guitar line. Sort of sounds like what other bands were doing soon after, but a little more moronic and aimless. Fine shit. Nice indeed. Mm. And what do you, my good friend, think? <laughs> well, you've you've uh, you've hit a number of the beats that I've got to make a reference to. I must admit that line don't cry for me. Makes <laughs> is the is the line that got me into the song straight away and the the, the kind of uh, the, the low energy chorus is one that makes me laugh every time I hear it um, but yeah it's it's got a charm um, and it doesn't offend me on this album it doesn't offend me in the same way that Chock Stock does on the other side of the album which I find a little bit mm, I don't know a bit tiresome really for me a bit too twee but this this sails through alright um, I, I like the that abrasively clean tone guitar sounds that they get going through all this album I think it works on him as well um, although it is a bit aimless a bit wandery um, but I, I think he it, occasionally hits a riff doesn't he with what he's playing but it's it's all good stuff um, and it just it, yeah it, as well as the Love Street reference I think just generally the arrangement sounds quite 60s I think starting off with the seeds and a band like that you can kind of hear that influence in the way the tune's been arranged so um, yeah it's got charm it's it's likeable and it's it's one of those tunes that um, I would put it in the sort of that man chock stock kind of category of it's 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 like a pop record it's like they know what pop records sound like and they're just so a pop record would sound something like this kind of uh, kind of tune from Paul. But yeah, I like yeah. it. And, and yeah, it's it's Hanley Riley and Scanlon's first kind of pop at, at uh, this kind of stuff, and um, it's nice, it's good. But let's do the honors. Uh, totally Wired versus Your Heart Out, Phil. Totally classic. Aye, Alistair. Totally overrated. Aye, <laughs> Ezra. Well, you know, I like if we're voting on influence, I wonder if Your Heart Out hasn't been more influential in the indie indie sphere than Totally Wired, but I'm oh. just going to vote with the song I like, which is Totally Wired. Yes, it's unlikely, to be honest, although it's DNA. got a curveball in there. I know. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go for Totally Wired. It's a better song, all in all, for me, as much as I like uh, their Doors tribute. What about Tim Twain? No, it matters at this point where he has gone all Totally Wired. He has gone for Totally Wired. All righty. So TW goes through, and uh, that takes us on to the next song, which is A Past Gone Mad Passable. From the infotainment scan 1993, we zoom forward decades. I'm going to play a little bit of the Peel Session version. It's a bit different, and I think it's um, it's got its charm as well. Let me let me play a bit of that. Oh, 
it struck me. I really like the squig squiggly kind of synths, and it's that version is much more in line with the rest of the infotainment scan. I think the the version on the album sounds more like a, a remix. Not that not that I'm criticizing. It's just my opinion. Uh, so it's 1993, uh, Jesus Jones, uh, some pretty hard debushing, going hard there, and uh, nice, if dated, very, very dated, breakbeats and synths. Uh, if funky size playing any of that stuff, it's commendable. Um, and there's some nice bass runs going on there, but it's just so dense in bush tools that you, you can't really tell what's going on. Uh, there's a break in the clouds and Scanlan fights through the computers with a, a little bit of a melody. Um, and yeah, that peel session has some nice squiggly uh, sense. Um, I think I like it. <laughs> But I'm not sure. <laughs> Alive and well, he is on all channels. Kiki D, dwelling in craven environment. If I end, ever end up like Ian McShane, slit my throat with a kitchen tool. If I ever end up like you two, slit my throat with a garden vegetable. Um, and of course, me mentioning that uh, same comic, I think he mentioned in Futures and Past, which is the, the issue of uh, Marvel team up with Spider-Man and Doctor Doom uh, team up. Um, uh, interesting note from the updated fall is apparently uh, on the 18th of March 1979, the fall played Bradford's Royal Standard, which was the Yorkshire Rippers local, and it was the height of his killing spree, so it is possible he was in the audience. Um, not saying whether or not the fall was an influence, but um, what do you reckon to this, Alistair? A past gone mad, passable. Oh, just one last point: the fact why it has passable in brackets because apparently when they sent a tape over to Smith, <laughs> this was like he he listened to the whole tape and then he said he said like it's all crap except for this one that's like passable. <laughs> that was the one that ended up on the album. Going on. Oh, beautiful stuff. It's, it's always great to sort of hear uh, uh, positive reaffirmation going on for hard work. Yeah, um, yeah for, for the LPs, I think it's one of the stronger ones on there, but it's not one of my favourite LPs. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it gets a bit Jeff Wayne meets the, the Proddy Dodgy um, at times, like, you know, but um, it does go somewhere and there's something to it. It, it reminds me quite a lot of uh, New Order at times, like with the, the guitar. Uh, you know, like kind of like mid eighties brotherhood law life kind of new order when they were doing the kind of a couple of long songs like you know that were they were quite Morricone esque at times. Um, but um, you know, there's some nice vocal effects on there. There's some funny lyrics. Um, yeah, it's one of the better ones from from the LP. Fair enough. Aye, aye. I do. I do remember the peel session being broadcast. Sweet. Uh, Phil, um, what's your take on this? <laughs> so I, I thought it was pretty good when it first when it first came on. First couple of minutes, I was I was sort of sympathetic with it, and then it just kind of runs out of puff a little bit about two and a half minutes in. I think I was more interested in the Peel version play. That sounds like it's had a bit more of love and tenderness put into the production, but the one on the album, it's whilst on. When you're listening to it on the album, the experience then is, is kind of better. But on its own, uh, it, starts, it starts off and it's like a banger. Yeah, it's coming out. And then, but after through, it's like, are you going to do something else? Have you got something else in your bag of tricks? And the answer is no, they don't have anything else in the bag of tricks. So it was, <laughs> it's all right. Passable, would you say? Passable. Yeah, possibly. Um, Ezra, what about for you? Going mad to those squiddly synths on that peel session version, weren't you? Oh, he was wow, very excited. Off 
going to be your session. I'm, you know, as soon as this finishes, I'm going to get on to that. I mean, yeah, I, I think I might be falling in love with the infotainment scan. I think it's a fantastic record. I mean, like, you've got this, you've got, and I was very, very, very upset that it got voted off, unless I'm wrong and it wasn't. But Paranoia Man in Cheap Shit Room, which I think is, like towering monolith of a track and also um, Lost in Music which I know for a fact got voted off and I'm just like what a, what a trifecta like you know what a fucking three inch punch of purely medicinal excellence you know uh, yeah yeah they both went out yeah, I thought so. I thought so. And and maybe this, yeah, I, I I would, you know, I would say Paranoia Man beats this, but this is also fucking just hilarious and great at the same time. And it's those gleaming, towering synths, you know, it's like skydiving into a fucking shit computer game. <laughs> You've got Marky Smith going, ah, or, the, or that sample of him. It, it it's just it's how Tron should have been, you know. It's like it, it's gleaming. Yes, and skydiving into a shit computer game is the title of this episode. <laughs> he always gives the titles. I mean, every every title comes from this. He's very Sorry, good. Then. He's very good. Um, scan, <laughs> <laughs> great. I, I like the weird because it's it's got the reputation of the big beat kind of album in in fall circles, but. You know, um, going to Spain, it's a curse service and uh, light fireworks. Good. But yeah, this one, maybe I can maybe I can leave. But we'll see. It's up against a, a, a little weird gem. But first, what does the tiny one think? So for this one, he's put, and before the grub comes a moralist. Great line. I feel like I shouldn't love this one, but it is quite dear to me. I like the murky soup of it all, mixing what should be poppy dance with layers of extra sounds passable ah yes uh. low-hanging fruit bowing to a tyrant incorrigible horrible hotel in a suit mark 1948 indicative of a blinkered attitude that suit is now in the bucket really what does it all mean but it is up against guide me soft of curious orange but only the cassette version of the album So there's an there's an unamplified electric guitar. Mez wandering around the room. A wooden block is being banged. The bass is being prodded at intermittent times. It's my kind of fall. It's the it's it's the nonsense end of the fall. The falling apart end. Love it. It's brilliant. It's not a song that I knew. I I don't think I'd heard this one before. Not much if, if at all. 
Um, it never turns into the kind of solid thing that a lesser band would make it into. They just went with it. That was the whole song. And it seems to be some kind of prayer of William of Orange, like begging for success as well, which in the context of a play about William of Orange, fair enough, but out of context in just a song, a ramshackle indie song about William of Orange praying for success. Glorious repression, articulate, immaculate, glorious revolution, coast to coast. Lord, guide me soft from coast to coast. God, guide me soft. And it doesn't hurt that guide me soft is, is, is basically the kind of lyric, this title that Bob Paul had come out for a Guided by Voices song as well. So uh, win, win, win and win again in my book. What about you, Phil? This is a kind of meat and potatoes rock that's up your street, isn't it? <laughs> um, it got me thinking some strange things, actually, listening to this song. One of, one of which was, I, I get asked on a semi-regular basis whether I like people like Tom Waits and Nick Cave and all those kind of performers, and it really reminded me of the type of thing that they try and do, but that I don't like, generally. Um, but with Smithy doing it, and that, that kind of ragtag does feel like it's going to fall apart at any minute kind of arrangement and production on it. This drew me in more and more. And I, I think I'm, I'm reading a lot of history at the moment anyway. And I was I was thinking, to, I, I had the similar thought myself of, is this like the internal dialogue of William of Orange as he's kind of making his way over the glorious revolution and all that stuff. Um, so it's, uh, but it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot clearer in this song than kind of narrative of Blair than it is in any of the other stuff that we've heard off this album that's, that's soundtracky maybe that's why it's not as popular because <laughs> it's it's just a bit more on the nose exactly what it is and, and it's a bit more obvious but i i like the arrangement i i think it works it's weird and it takes some getting used to but that's all for the better i think and it's um, I think it's quite evocative in its own way, not in, not in the usual way of a soundtrack, uh, but it's it certainly pulls you in. It, it piques my curiosity when listening to it, uh, and it doesn't annoy me at any point, even though it should probably do. It's it's very plonky and, and tinny and all kinds of words that we'd use normally to describe horrible pieces of music. But um, but yeah, I I think this works. I think it's it's definitely that overused phrase of it's got its charms, but. Um, yeah, I, I quite like this. What I'd say is that the thing about Tom Waits and, and what I think you're getting at is that where they'll take those rustic kind of sounds and they'll turn them into this kind of like clanking kind of rhythm thing that they do. And, and like it's basically like Moby did with the blues as as my favorite line of uh, the good for Mogwai that, um, you know, Moby did for the book for the blues what Jive when he did for rock and roll and that kind of like <laughs> you know or people who who do music concrete and they'll sample like trains but then they'll turn the trains into like oh, ah, ah, ah. like it's just two together this is so ramshackle it is falling apart all the way through and that, I think that's his beauty it doesn't try mm -hmm. to be this this kind of rustic kind of like uh, yeah thing. I, I think that's right I think there's there's something about the decay isn't there it's like entropy that's been recorded and that's that's quite attractive to degenerates like us I just wonder yeah, I get how you got the band to do it with with in, in that that sense but uh, well I kind of I can kind of guess because Marshall Scofield was talking about how they did Curious Orange and so basically they had to write all the songs in a very short period of time then send them to Michael Clark then they went on tour and played them 
all and got really good at them. And then they had to learn because Clark had choreographed the original Ramshackle demos. They then had to learn, relearn their original shitty versions for the. Um, what's, what's, what's quite funny about that is that it's exactly the same mistake we did with our first player. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much. And here's one of the people that starred in it, Alistair Aspinall. What did you make of Guide Me Soft? It's, it's funny. It, it really amused me. Um, I really do like you know, like the loose shambolic kind of feel to it, which you've kind of already referenced. But yeah, it's quite organic and sort of uh, feels like it's uh, you know improvised. Uh, just the way that things drop in, drop out. Um, can imagine that this being like one that they just sort of like playing for the you know like whilst the, the scenes are being shifted around them. Like you know, it's like get the drummer out the way so we can move this. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really nice. It's quite arty, really. I didn't really listen to the lyrics uh, as as usual. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It's it's something that you don't hear very often. Um, you don't hear many bands doing that kind of thing. Um, it's they, they, they're taking risks. They're not asked, um, and it works. So aye, yeah, good it, on them. it says on the, on Wikipedia that that was actually a live recording from the ballet. So that that was what they performed on the night, which is bold and beautiful and brave. And I wondered just quite what Michael Clark was doing to it. Um, <laughs> but we shall never know because no bugger of video it as we know. Ezra, what do you make of Guide Me Soft? Yeah, this this track, you know, it, it reminds me of like an unassuming little hunchback child who's like clutching a seashell to his chest. When you kind of interact with, with child, him or her, and you know it proffers the seashell towards you and you look at it and then you put your ear to it and you can hear the sound of the ocean hey little boy what you got there kind sir it's a mollusk i found exactly i'm gonna start working on the rock opera as soon as <laughs> i've listened to that peel session of um a past gone mad uh but yeah no it, yeah it's great and yeah <laughs> it, it gave me strong like uh kind of uh recollections of current 93 and uh carolina rainbow because it's got that kind of queasy sea shanty like we're all rotting in the in the ranch feel to it or on the on the clipper so yeah it's really good it's not as good as a pascal map though incorrect but i do like rotting in the ranch as a as a as a phrase it's a good job isn't it all lost? <laughs> what about, uh, about what Tim? What the fuck were you on about showing people your mollusk? I know. <laughs> Does it bring you up the Trinity? Does it cast light to the... Do you know that song? There's a ween, right? You don't know Was that it song? A ween it's track, a ween It's right? a ween song. It's called the mollusk. By the way, I didn't improvise oh, yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't improvise that somewhat creepy song on the spot. No, it is a, a beautiful song by the band Ween. Well educated, thank you. What does Tim think? Well, I shall tell you. He has clawed up in his veins and scrolled the following. Uh, a bit of fluff, but at least it's short. I thought I might have had him on my side. Uh, it would have been the swaying one there. Uh, I think all is lost. Then okay, let's take a ball. I'll go first. I think it's that mad one. Let's guide me soft. That's the best. <laughs> Um, Al, what oh, do you I think? I see this plug. I see this plug. Al, what do you think's the best song out of these two? Don't fall for it, Pike. <laughs> Don't tell me now. Um, 
Well, it's it's a, it's a difficult one because uh, they they're, they're like they're both really different songs, and I like them in different ways. And um, it just goes to show you how much they changed over the years. That, that you got these completely chalk and cheese songs, and it's only probably about five years difference. Mm. Like how much a bank can change. So, um, given all that, I'm going to split my vote. Is a vote splitter? It's done. It's all done and dusted. Pip? Surprised with that. Uh, yeah, um, I, I can't go. Uh, I can't go for past mode. It's got to be Gabby Soft, really. I sense some fingers on the horizon. Ezra, you're on fucking pills. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, lad. <laughs> Mates, loved up. If I was on pills, then Dave Bosch would have gone through. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I love him. Ben's which pills? Anybody got any chewy? Could, could be them wee pills. <laughs> I, my vote, needless to say, is for Pascal. All right. Okay. So, Pippin, what does Tim think? He's gone for Pascal Matt. All right. Let's go to the fingers then. Closer than I thought. Let's vote first for a pass gone mad out of three. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And what does Tim say? You're at three. Oh, it's might just be a done deal there. And uh, guide me soft. Maybe six, seven, eight, nine. And how many's he given guide me soft? Zip. Uh, so sadly, a pass gone mad goes through. Guide me soft goes into the bin. Let's move on to Bound of the Marshall Suite, the year of our Lord, 1999. <laughs> Too much chocolate dip. Pip, we're back to you. What do you make about? Hmm. So, well, I put that uh, Pure Ralph record out, didn't I, on the bunker chat, because it really, really reminds me of that, and I absolutely love that tune. Um, so the guitar part in this was the first thing that gripped me. Um, and then I, I, I was suspicious that it was a cover version, which you sort of confirmed when you sent that uh, instrumental music around. Um, I quite like this. It bounces. It does bounce, and it's it's uh, it's it's got momentum to it. I, I really like the off-kilter rhythm that they get going in it. I think the drums are, are, are great. Um, and I, I, I do like um, the guitar playing on this. I think it's minimal, but it, it's it's the performance carries it through. There's lots of energy about the performance, so it's it's great. And then it goes up a tone. It goes up. It goes up a bit more. And then it goes up a bit more. It goes up a bit more towards the end. All oh, this just... trick in the book, innit? <laughs> so I haven't heard them do that before. Do the whole kind of boy zone thing. Uh, we're going to rock it up. So then they all stand up, don't they, at that point, uh, as it moves into the, the tone shift. But um, yeah, it's all right. It's a nice album track. Uh, I don't think it'd do well in the, uh, the charts, but uh, I'll give it a pass. Yes, well, it is a cover, um, apparently, of of a Northern Soul kind of instrumental. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I can hear it, but let's have a little bit of a listen to the original and see whether whether you can. 
you hear that, Al? Do you, do you, is it coming through loud and clear that there's a cover of that song? I don't know what they've been taking when they listened to that and decided that that's what it sounds like when they get into the uh, rehearsal room. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the fall version reminds me a, a bit of, like, the shitty bands like Strokes that just bore their pants off me. Um, you know, you've got, like, this kind of passenger-esque rhythm guitar thing going on and on and on. And it, I don't think it really went anywhere. Um, I mean, the, the synth's nice in there. I like that kind of sound uh, for the synths. Um, but all in all, it, it's aimless, I think. And they, they just like chucking a couple of ideas that don't really work. It's like a, you know, like a football team making a substitution that's useless. Um, yeah, it's it just a bit half-baked. Exactly um, what it is, Al. Exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Um, that, the thing is that they took the horns out. There's a bit of the strings in there. I think Nagel like had a half-assed attempt at doing some strings and maybe maybe a little bit of of um, keyboard horns in there. But they basically lost the soul of the original one. I mean, I'm not saying that is a classic Northern Soul track. <laughs> It's a decent compilation track and it sounds nice. It's a nice arrangement. You strip all that out of it, you've got a pretty generic vamping kind of like slightly funky funk. Um, I don't know what, what it was. I mean, it was a Marshall Suite era, so they were scratching to get anything on that record, I think, at that point. But too much chocolate dip. You're a half-foot candle. You're on second out. Oh, man, woman, admit it. You're Teletubby again, left bound. So I mean, I quite like that. But no, I, I, it's not one I want to return to very often. Ezra, what did it do for you? It's another charmer, and it, and you know, like it, it interests me that it's so kind of again, like so poppy. Um, yeah, you know, like for me, it really had a kind of a Britpop vibe going on with it. And the, the only, you know, the only real point of interest for me was like uh, obviously Marky e. Smith, and um, but essentially he's just like you know he's. It, it's just a diss song or just a random stream of unconnected insults. But I like the way it starts with like, you're out of bounds, like your mother in the rain, past the boundaries again. And the operator man puts you on hold again. And then you, you know, you get into the chocolate dip bit, but yeah, just the, the mother in the rain. <laughs> That's the smashing smart insult. And, and they all are. And so, you know, for me, <laughs> there's a lot of joy in the lyrics here. I got to say, but yeah, musically. M-O-R-N-S. But um, yeah, the stream of abuse as lyrics, <laughs> pioneering glamrick, um, and continued here. It's a nice, it's a nice addition to the to the songwriting can. Um, like the dozens, essentially. What about Tim Twan? It's going to be interesting to see what he says. He's <laughs> written a lot more about this one. Okay, sounds squashed and claustrophobic, like you're in a tunnel and your ears are about to pop. Has the same vocal pattern as half the other songs on the album. And I keep expecting him to sing, where chewing gum is chewed, the chewer is pursued. I think this could have been worked into something good, and I like the stuttering thing Mez does. There's not much here, I don't think. Yes, I think we are mostly in agreement that it has flashes but not much more it is up against serum off the unutterable year 2000 as long as you got serum
but it's covered in dirty, grimy synths. There's only one man I'm coming to first. Ezra, tell me, tell me about Serum. Well, yeah, this is a proper fucking great track, this. And it's so interesting, you know, to contrast these two because uh, the, um, the Marshall Suite, which um, Bound was off, was the previous album to this. And yeah, you know, the difference is nine day as far as I'm concerned. And for me, this is one of the best tracks off the unutterable you know like it, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of wb but with wb there's just a bit of a catchy hook but this has got way more meat to it and it's interesting because like you know maybe on a pass gone mad the fall often when they get into the electronica just sound like a bunch of people going mad with presets but this is yeah you know the electronics here i mean you know i'm not gonna say that it's like i don't know or or something but you know there's there's it's a bit more than a preset let's say and yeah it, it's a great tune about jizzing <laughs> Um, my favorite part is like, uh, well, you know, he sings about many have found pleasures in curvaceous women, their undulating curves upper and lower. But what I really need is a glass of cold water. The serum gives results. And of course, you know, I'm just reading up on Renegade and um, in Renegade, like apparently his grandfather told him, like he says his grandfather would tell him like, if he got horny, go out and run around in the garden, have a glass of cold water and go and run around in the garden till you calm down. First three hairs descended in this morning from the fringe of the fort and the scalp of your mind. Serum unavailable where the sun meets the dawn. And so on top of all of that, you got a 13th floor elevators quote. And so, yeah, you know, I'm very much in favor of this kind of thing, this kind of track. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, So those lyrics that you quoted there about her, I wondered whether it was a her growth serum because he does have that obsession with baldness and bald men, but I'm not sure that that's what he's getting at. Um, here's the the interesting thing. So I won't get too much in the music yet, but that 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 distorted bass, which is at the core of a lot of the unutterable stuff. I I thought like it reminds me like that Mr. Wazo kind of beat that was that flat beat that was like bizarrely went to number one in England and it was basically just a bass line. And uh, so I typed in Mr. Wazo, um, the fall to see whether there's any connection and it said serum. And the that was uh, the first video was someone making the Mr. Wazo beat in serum, no connection to the fall, probably just a coincidence. Uh, so, <laughs> Alistair, what do you think of this song? Yeah, I really liked it. Um... I, I like I well I quite quite like the balance that they get between the sort of like the techno sounding stuff and the kind of gothy sounding stuff um, because it, you know like when all the stuff with the toms when it drops down with burst nasty burst um, that the, the, the way they, they blend it in with the the, the keys uh, it's fantastic as, as Ezra alluded to. Um, I, but there was a bit there, a little something about it that reminded me of Joy Division. I'm not sure if that was like the way the, the drums and the bass were working together. It was, it was both the riff and that you like the sound of the instruments. Um, so I think that they really nailed something here. And yeah, compared to Bound, and considering it was like uh, only a year later, it's yeah, it's such a turnaround, isn't it? Called it. I mean, what about Tim? That's an interesting question. Let's go over and find out what he's got to say for himself. He says, 
nice and filthy synth buds here. Great atmospheric guitar work too. This is more like it. Mark's delivery is top-notch, full of foreboding and bile. No idea what it's about, but I treasure it all the same. The highs on this album are really fucking high. Yeah, it's that thing we've talked about a few times about the unutterable that although that production is very much of its time to this and it doesn't seem to have dated as badly as some of the others that there's something about that crunchy yeah the crunchy 90s drums maybe they're the, the most dated but that bass line that dirty synthy bass line and the ray gun says pew, 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 and the insistent uh and this stuff seems to really inspire smith the um He's he's really kind of on form, but I didn't need the guitars in there. I felt like they would we just we have a guitarist, we've got to have a guitar in this song, but yeah, it didn't add anything to it. But um it's can it's interesting to compare this from the, the past gone mad, which was about seven years earlier. Um yeah, I like a nice medicine sense. I think a lot of this is probably Nagel's doing. She's she's uh does a great job. Many of fine pleasures in curvaceous women. That's a, as Ezra pointed out earlier. And uh, all, sometimes all we need is a nice cold glass of water. Um, but what about Phil Rigby? Does he need a nice cold glass of water? I can, I can do with a coffee at this point. But I, I I really like this. And I really like the guitar on it, to be honest with you. I think you're completely wrong. I, I'm with Alistair, really. I, I thought this was a really good example of how um, you can bring analogue and digital stuff together and make it work in a record. I think they do a really good job of building up brooding atmosphere in it. I think it's it's the sense of timing from that point of view, you know, like the, the kind of architectural timing over the course of the record, I think is excellent. And I think they do a really good job of bringing things in at the right moment and dropping breaks where they need to be it, it kept my interest I thought it was uh, the production was excellent on it um, and the spoken word outro as well at the end of it I just thought it all came together really well I thought it was another one of them little hidden gem tunes to be honest with you a bit like Heat Pep and, and that kind of thing were you know I could I could definitely see myself coming back to this one um, as, a, as a sort of picking out my favourite tracks off albums kind of track Indeed well maybe this is a bit of a done deal but let's take a, a vote pip oh yes serum oh, right. i me also serum al mm-hmm. ezra mm-hmm. and tim yeah <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so let's move on to the last showdown which is breaking the rules the most blatant theft arguably of the fall's career but we shall come to that later up against alton towers so let's have a list of breaking the rules from heads roll 2005 <laughs> So Robert Pollard from Guided by Voices, I mentioned earlier, he was he was tasked by he went to a band he liked called the Phantom Tollbooth, and he 
he they gave him the backing tracks to all a record they'd released several years earlier he wiped the vocals re-recorded the entire album with a new with him singing new vocals and melodies over the top and he did what smith did there which was like when the chorus comes in and everyone knows that chorus walk like a man he ignores it and does a verse over the top of it um does it work we shall see won't we Alistair, what do you think of this? Yeah, the, the, the Frankie Valley thing, uh, that, that stuck out like a thumb. You know, what like a man, talk like a man, sing like a little girl. Um, yeah, it's a, yeah, they're in North Oh, come on, it, Frankie Valley's awful. I was, uh, I felt sorry for Ezra when he was saying, oh, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um, on the previous podcast where we did the uh, the, the cover of... Uh, Frankie Valley's sick like as fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well listen to Billy Joel. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of this one. I'm not a fan of this one at all. He just sounds too slow. We played it at one point. That's why they, sh- they should have <laughs> Yeah, it'd be miles better like that. Um, you know, when I like to, I do like some sort of like high pitched annoying vocals. You know, I'm a big yeah. Pink and Perky and Chipmunks fan. But yeah, Frankie Valley, I just, I did great on me. But what do you think just about like, the fact that the fall just did like it? Break, <laughs> sorry, just like breaking the rules this, but uh, sorry, carry on. I was just saying, what do you make of the fact that they literally just covered, like, they played it like 25 times in, in, in like, in gigs live? And then yeah. they, when it came time to record the album, they just re-recorded it with different lyrics. Apparently, the lyrics were written by the work experience girl who who just gave them to Smith. That's a, a fantastic story, and uh, more bands should work like that. Exactly. Um, but Ezra, what do you make of this travesty? I think it's marvellous. Marvellous. <laughs> Mar- oh, you might. So, you know, on this playlist I've been ruminating over, yeah, you know, like, Your Heart Out, Beyond There. I think Edinburgh Man would also get on there. Um, and definitely this one, Beyond There. And it, it this it, it, oh, it's so sweet. I mean, first of all, you've got the sweetness of the valley, the valets. You can see them curving and undulating and green as a valley. But And then, you know, you've got, um, you've got the fact that the working experience a girl at the at the studio actually wrote the lyrics which i think is just pricelessly wonderful and awesome and then you've got the the fact of the lyrics (laughs) the only lyric i wrote down was i broke my mind trying to break the rules and i was like it just fits it it just fits to a t it's marvelous you know like the only way this song could be better would be if a documentary had been made for like like the bbc with like you know for maybe an educational service or something you know you'd have all this back and forth between marky smith and (laughs) 
this intern work experience girl and like you know the whole thing of like oh that's dead good i wasn't trying to sound like marky smith there i probably should have but anyway yeah that you know that that's what i think that's played by billy Connolly. yeah <laughs> there's that there's that bbc schools one i played when the mondays we did the mondays one where tony wilson somehow got got to granada to follow the mondays around for a week and turned it into a like a schools program they should have done that for the fall with this um this song because it, it's almost certain that they'd been practicing it and that they were like oh could you just play it just play the song like my athlete cured or whatever i play the song and then they're, they're like okay so it's no for no right lane he's got it's like and then he goes i'll just try it with these lyrics and then he just gets the this the girl who'd been showing him like i'll use these oh, breaking the rules now this is a stretch but he does break the cardinal rule of rock and roll that you don't <laughs> that you, you don't steal someone else's song and change the words and the lyrics because if, if you look at the writing credits it's still credited to the people who wrote what like a man and um uh, I was starting to think about, like, about Smith breaking. You don't laugh in songs, right? That's that's a cardinal rule. And you don't, like, the one way it just fell apart in the middle, like Strange Town or whatever it was, and just carried on. You don't just, like, wholesale lift riffs like elves, <laughs> whatever your dog did, like, six times. And you don't do this. So um, I'm giving it I'm giving it to him. Unfortunately, it's a concept piece, isn't it? Yeah, it's a concept piece, uh, like um, like systematic abuse. But unfortunately, it's up against Alton Towers, so he's got no chance. But um, what does Tim think? What has he put about breaking the rules? He says, uh, this one's what came of Walk Like a Man, right? It's all right. A fun pop number and works well on the record. Forgettable. Yeah, I think it's better than their version of Walk Like a Man, which was particularly bad. We listened to it on the uh, on the cracks episode. Have you told us what you think, Phil? No. Go on. What do you think? I think it's fucking best to quote Al. <laughs> I love this tune. It's right. Unbelievable. It's, yeah. It is. It is. You know, shoddy in terms of its morality, but uh, I, I think uh, as a as a tune, it works. I think the guitar. For me, the thing that I kept thinking of was Succession, man. It's like all the bits in this are wrong. You shouldn't come together. Oh, the fucking guitar tone's awful. Everything's everything's a bit kind of, yeah, I wouldn't do it like that. I think it all comes together in the mix, though. I think it's great. Bounces along. I've enjoyed it every time it's popped on. Bit of lane is great, and it? Um, I think the tone works for, uh, for what they're trying to do. Um, and it's, uh, and <laughs> for all the breaking the rules, and this is my contribution to your uh, conceit, uh, I actually think my Mark's quite well behaved on this record in terms of his actual performance. So it comes together. It's it's a it's a high intellectual piece. I think that's what a lot of people missed around it. Exactly. Best piece of the evening, no doubt. No question. But it is up against Alton Towers, the opening track from Imperial Wax Solvent, a mere three years and two band lineups later. Which is definitely gonna win this. Yes, it is.
one of J-loaded brown. Brilliant. What do we make of this, uh, me? Well, here's what I think. So this is, again, in the wonky realm, just like Guide Me Soft, but it's, it's obviously a more together song. It's got that nice, weird bass line at its core, which is in some weird mode that you might be able to tell me later, Phil. <laughs> Lots of noises and minimal scronking. It's not like it would have been easy to put like a scronking sax over it and that would have been fantastic, but they didn't. But there's some scronking kind of like weird noise in the background, which I, I'm guessing Elenia had a hand in and maybe there's a bunch of stuff going in the background. Greenway's off piste, which is the best Greenway. He ain't playing that Mr. Road riff. I don't know what he's doing, but it's brilliant. <laughs> There's some fake horns that are a bit beef hearty. It's quite the roller coaster. Why wasn't the rest of Imperial Wax like this? And I, I, I think my theory is this is a holdover from the Reformation sessions or maybe came somewhere in between. I'm thinking like, is this what Reformation 2 would have sounded like if that, the way Marshall Sweet turned into unutterable, would Reformation have turned into an album of this if those uh, Reformation boys had had a, 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 a bit more time? Ooh, I said, ooh, what could have been? Grey, declining excelsis, and the waves through the slits in San Rocco, the spawn of J-loaded brown and El Laverne crawl around, and their sons are singing songs in Leeds, Montreal, and Rome. J-loaded J brown is uh, James Brown, who, who was a editor of Loaded Magazine, and Lauren Laverne, who he had the infamous run-in with on the culture show. Um, all in all, brilliant. I think it's the best track on um, Imperial Wax by a country mile. Who's up next? Tim, who will shoot me down and say, what is this fucking garbage? I like this a lot. Queasy and fur grown like. Sounds like the microphone has been turned on in the middle of a nightmare. I like the way it shifts and walks around the locked-in bass line and never sits still. Mark's vox are sublime and they sit in the mix really nicely, slightly buried. Brilliant. Well, we agree. We agree for once. What does Phil Rigby think? So there's... I'm kind of in two minds about this track, to be totally honest with you. There's bits of me that kind of think trying a bit too hard to be weird on it and it's but there's, there's another part of me which which kind of is is entertaining that fancy that you've just laid out there that this is potentially a road not travelled by the band and, you know it's uh, you, you could have seen something come out of that strange Reformation TLC lineup that was much more interesting from a kind of avant-garde creative point of view um, and I think I said the last time we did a track off that album that it is it, it is is experimental with a capital E uh, in a way that some of the other albums aren't really. Um, although the, the actual final product may not be as shiny and uh, attractive. Um, but this, uh, the, the, <laughs> I, I think it, I do, I do think it worked. What it really reminded me of was like a reboot of 60s shows that there was a bit of a spate of a few years ago and some of them worked really, really well and they redid Doctor Who that worked really well and they redid other things like The Prison that didn't work too well. That, but that's what it reminds me of it feels like a 60s psych thing that's kind of been reinvigorated 
for a new generation. And it, it, I think it works on that. Um, and I think it is, it's a bit pompous and it's a bit pretentious, but it's, it's kind of in all the right ways. It's the, the kind of stuff that rings my bell. So yeah, I enjoyed this. And if there is another dimension, a parallel universe out there, a second Reformation TLC album, and it's, it's made up of stuff like this. And the lyrics would kind of imply that they're very similar in the, in the format, the in topics and stuff. Um, then yeah, I'd love to listen to that album. Have you ever heard that um, it's supposed to be a Beatle boot like from another dimension? Have you, have, you, have you come across that story where somebody did this, I think it was like in the 90s or something like that, and this guy reckoned that he'd kind of got in contact with Oh him yeah, that sounds familiar, new, yeah. Parallel Universe and there's a whole new Beatle album that he put, it's on the it's on YouTube if you want to find it, I'll dig it out, but it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful Beautifully wonky in all the wrong and right ways. What does Ezra think of it, though? Yeah, it's, it, it's certainly a fascinating track, you know, and, like, one of the things that, like, I think is the most interesting about it is, you know, given that we're at this stage in, in the group's career and all that, this is, like, the last thing I would actually expect from a full track, even given, like, the travesties of post-Reformation, which I suppose were kind of, like, very feeble stabs in the direction of prog rock but this one this is a hot prog mess of sick hot prog sick you know like if the whole album had been like that i would have petitioned marky smith to call the album hot prog sick um and so it's kind of hilarious it's, it and the lyrics, yeah, God, you know, that's the other thing that, you know, I, I, I think there's a really strong argument that Smith's, um, like, abilities as a writer of lyrics, I think they really, like, progressed, you know, like, I, I think there's so much power in a lot of the later lyrics. It's really interesting to me. But yeah, so here we've got the crows look very different today. And the crows are not reflecting any form of quality at all. On the saint of advertisers dead, how to get in, how to get out. And it's a song about Alton Towers. And I really like how he tied together the, <laughs> that thing about getting in and getting out. It's marvellous stuff, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Danny, friend of the show, Danny, on Annotator 4, pointed out, and the crows are not reflecting any sort of quality. The crows is the nickname of Royston Town FC based in Hertfordshire. In the period up to the release of Imperial Rack Solvent, they were indeed struggling. Um, but obviously that, uh, and, the, and the the crows look very different today, uh, struck me as a, as a Bowie nod, probably intentional, I imagine. Um, Al, what do you make of A Towers? It's very good, yeah. Um, it's very different, is it, from what you'd expect from the fall. Um, kind of remind me a bit of, uh, do you know, like when Beastie Boys put out the, uh, you know, like the jazzy kind of uh, their output, you know, like inside, inside from way out, that kind of. Mm. thing um you know if you take smith's vocal off it and stuck uh mca and add rock and all you know on the then um that wouldn't have sounded out of place for being on a, a beastie boys record um Actually, you know what sorry it just struck me could this be a smoother version of totally wired so. i Maybe think that's why years later he finally nailed it <laughs> This is the yeah, shame he, he, release Alton Towers as a single. It would have gone straight to number one. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got, got that jazzy quality to it with it, like the bass and the drums. And uh, I do like, you know, the, the sort of like the noises, the uh, sort of uh, Moogie, Jean-Jacques Perry almost uh, noises, if you're thinking kind of, um, again, Inside From Way Out LP, which is both Beastie Boys and Perry did. Um, but yeah, I, I would have loved to have heard this with two drummers on it. I, I think that could have been quite interesting. But yeah, it's, it's a real strong song. Beautiful, isn't it? We, we've heard from everyone here now, I believe. So let's take a vote. Breaking the Rules versus Alton Towers. Philip? About Tim 3. Okay, Solders, he likes yeah, it. Yeah, it's the right. came from left field and contradicted Brandon, but I agree with him. Um, yeah, Alton Towers. All right, same for me. Ezra? Yeah, Alton Towers. E and so is oh is it a rote oh what does Tim think he's got the nod so that means Alton Towers Serum a pass gone mad and totally wired goes through I agree partially with that what's your favourite track of the evening chaps Serum's the one for me to be totally honest with you because it was uh, it's a track I've not given enough time to and uh, it's, it's Found its way into my heart. Mm. A tricky one, but it's, but it's between Alton Towers and Serum for me. For me, it's between Alton Towers and a pass gone mad. Mm. Mm. Very nice. And, and um, yeah, Alton Towers and Guide Me Soft. You won't be surprised to hear my two takes. He's coming for your guts. He's coming for your guts, Brendan. Going in, going in the bag. It's good stuff. Um, so next week we're going to try something a bit different. We're going to uh, hopefully Danny and Rob Integral Wizard will drop by and we can talk about Renegade and maybe uh, pass our eyes over the Blue Book, the lyrics book as well, but uh, mostly focusing on the Marquis Smith ghost written autobiography, Renegade. So um, make your notes and uh, keep them safe. Bye. See ya. Ta-da. Yeah, 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 yeah